Kevin Hargadon, you are the social justice theologian for the Jesuit Centre for Faith and Justice in Sherrod Street in Dublin. And you are the author of a seven-week retreat for Lent, so it's going into Easter time, entitled Home Thoughts from the Bible in a Time of Housing Crisis. Why did you write a retreat like that with an intriguing enough title? Well, the work that we have in the centre is focused on four areas of major social concern. So we have work on the environmental crisis. We have work on, generally speaking, ethics and economics, work on penal reform. But probably the work that we're most famous for is the stuff that we've done on the housing crisis, particularly through the work of Peter McVeary and the Peter McVeary Trust. So day in, day out in the office, what we're seeing is the consequences of decades, really, of bad decision-making from the Irish government and a policy environment where nobody is satisfied. I'm employed as a theologian who who works with these social scientists who are analysing all of these trends and these statistics. And I find, much to my surprise sometimes, that the scriptures have direct relevance to these contemporary issues. Yeah, because you're going right back from Genesis right up to Revelation and 2,000 years ago, and then if we go into the Old Testament, much more than 2,000 years. Yeah, so even though they're ancient texts and they were written in radically different contexts in different languages, they still have this amazing relevance and resonance for today. The story begins, as pretty much everybody still knows, with the Garden of Eden, and that's the story of eviction, which is depressingly something that thousands of people in Ireland are either living through or day and night they're in fear of. And it's a fiction by God. But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a fiction by God, but uh, that, that story then is an interesting one. What a great setup for divine revelation. And uh, what you find from that point onwards is humanity is constantly questing and searching, seeking out a sense of home. And that's a recurring motif right through the Old Testament, right through the Psalms, right through the prophets, and into the New Testament. You find it. Jesus, Mary and Joseph are are refugees right from the get-go. And at the very end of the story in the book of Revelation, which is one of those books I think that most people are terrified of, but when you read it, you see that the final chapters of the Bible are about God making his home with us and all of humanity having this sense of home restored. So I'm very interested in how theology and how the scriptures can inform our positions on social questions in realistic ways, not just in the old-fashioned doctrinaire kind of legalistic approaches, but in ways that can be life-giving. And so I think that considering the scriptures as a story about the quest for home has real relevance for Ireland today, where we are in the middle of a, a critical housing crisis. What in this Lenten retreat then would you be saying to people who would be praying through this on a weekly basis? What have you learned that they might learn or reflect on or might be given to them, whether or not they're homeless? Whether you come to the biblical text as someone who's a devout believer or a concerted agnostic or even an active atheist, it's almost a universal experience that human beings, when they're pushed to the edge, cry out. And that's often our most authentic form of prayer. And if we reflect on our lives, what we often recollect is that those moments of crisis when we cry out to God or whoever might be listening, that's a cry of of abandonment, of feeling a deep existential sense of loss. So 
There's a homelessness that's built into all of our experiences, not necessarily a literal material homelessness where you're living on the street, but a sense of dislocation from yourself, from your neighbour, from creation. So as we read the scriptures as Christians, if we read it in that light, we find this contact point whereby our experience in the moments of our crisis start to resonate with the experience of people who are actively homeless today. And it all centres for me around Jesus because we worship a homeless Christ. Uh, the text is very clear. Jesus himself says he has no place to lay his head. So in the secular sphere, we can talk in meaningful ways about how we ought to support the people who are marginalised, people who are oppressed, people who are poor. And we have ways of doing that. We can talk about human rights and so on. And that's all good. But Christianity gives us this kind of three-dimensional understanding of that. Because if Christ is our brother which is basic claim Christians share, he is homeless. We have this experience of existential homelessness. And with, between those two points, we're able to reach out to the third point, which is our actual concrete neighbour who is in flesh and blood sleeping in a doorway tonight. And so to the extent that we are devoted to Jesus, we are compelled to serve the person who is insufficiently housed, to use the technical language. So I think that uh, reading the Bible in this way has an absolutely practical relevance for how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we act in the ballot box. It, it, it ought to order how we organise our lives. You say there about how we ought to act in the ballot box, for example, and how we spend our lives. I think it's fair to say that ordinary people in Ireland are really shocked at our housing crisis. They made it an issue in the previous election. Politicians were almost surprised that they were going to the doors and people were bringing up all over the country the issue of homelessness. What is it, and is there anything in your reading of the Bible that gives you an insight into why structurally, politically, and Peter McFerry has said this, it's not even getting better, it's actually getting worse. We have resolutely failed to get a handle on this situation. Again, I mean, it's amazing to work as a theologian in, in Ireland in 2018 when it appears as if the relevance of the church and Christianity is receding. And that's definitely true and not necessarily always a bad thing. But the relevance of the scriptures are as sharp as ever, because what we're finding is that uh, if you organise uh, the provision of housing around greed, then you will have systematic dysfunction. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, in the beginning of his lamentation, he says, woe to you who pile house onto house until there's no more space in the land. And it's a perfect description of where we were in 2008, having massively wasted our Celtic tiger surplus in this property bubble. And now 10 years later, we're in a situation where we don't have enough houses, but we still have the property bubble. There is a couple of hundred people across the country on any given night who are rough sleeping. There's almost 10,000 people, including many thousands of children who are homeless. And then you have people who are well established in life, who have jobs, but who find that they're not able to afford housing. So young people especially are paying rental rates that are unsustainable. And young families are again being priced out of ever being able to own their, your own house. So systematically, as you go down through the different kinds of people who are in the situation of visiting daft.ie or whatever property website, you're finding that every single demographic sector is unhappy. I'm conscious that there are people around the country where the house prices have collapsed or they can't rent a house, but people 
can't live there because the jobs aren't available and the centralisation and push to Dublin mainly isn't working either. Yeah, I mean, it's a really important point that even as we enter into this new property bubble and all the problems that's going to generate, the old problems still exist. So you have almost 100,000 people who are in mortgage arrears and 100,000 people who are in negative equity. My dad grew up in South Leitrim in a farm outside a tiny little town called Mohill. So it's about an eight kilometre drive into the village. And as you drive that path, you find uh, at least 10 abandoned houses and loads of vacant properties all around South Leitrim and all around the west of Ireland. But nobody can live there because the jobs are all in the urban centres. That's a, one of those big, massive policy questions that requires real creativity and long-term planning. And all that we have instead is the pursuit of the next quarter's figures. And when you think about how the economy in Ireland functions, so much of it relies on the legal fees that come from the housing market, the construction sector, and then the tax income that comes from the buying and selling of property. So we're massively disproportionately overbalanced towards the buying and selling of houses. And rural villages that are slowly dying are directly suffering as a result of that commitment. So if we were to think about this Christianly, we'd be thinking in a much longer term and we'd be thinking about things in terms of the common good, not in terms of private good. And that would be a revolutionary shift in Ireland. What does the Bible then, if I'm going to say, right, I'm pray this retreat now for six weeks, what will I be going through in those seven weeks that you've outlined? And what is the Bible saying to me about my reflection and perhaps my change of heart? Well, the retreat takes us right through the scriptures from the beginning to the end. So we reflect on how our sense of disorientation and dislocation in life begins in the story of the Garden of Eden. I try to bypass all of the arguments that are very tired and very worn out about whether that's how it happened scientifically. I just bypass that question because the meaning of the text is about the existential experience of being dislocated from yourself. But once the story moves on in the Bible, you come very quickly to Abraham, who is the father, of course, of Christianity, Judaism and Islam. And that story is remarkable uh, in the text because he's a pagan. He's the son of a pagan, the grandson of a pagan. He's just living out there in Ur, in the city where there's no knowledge of God. And suddenly a voice comes to him and the voice says, leave your father's home. So God compels yet again. The character is compelled out into homelessness. And that, I suppose, is what I'm arguing throughout the entire Lenten retreat, that God very often calls us into that position of dislocation because it's a necessary step on the journey towards home. And you see this in Exodus, the famous kind of the definitive story of the Bible is uh, the, the children of Abraham are enslaved God hears their suffering and begins the process of bringing them home. Uh, You see this in the prophets. Um, We look at the second exile that happens later on in the scriptures where Israel is called to live for the common good, but instead chooses to live for their own personal gain. And God says, you can't have your home if you're going to abuse your home. And it's only when, again, they're dislocated from that sense of home that they are able to relocate their values and what it is they're meant to live for. And then we look at uh, Jesus as a refugee, because, of course, there are thousands of people in Ireland who are also homeless but aren't counted in the figures because they live in these direct provision centres. 
And then we look in Holy Week at Jesus as a prisoner. Because again, we have 4,000 people who are imprisoned, who are away from their home. And it's really important for us to remember that we worship a God who spent his last night on earth in a jail cell. Um, And then what I've tried to do is to extend the biblical reflection forward. So the week after Easter, uh, you know, when we have overdosed on chocolate and we're loving the fact that we're able to take back up the vices that we've given up for, for Lent, then I say, what now? And I look into this idea in the New Testament that reoccurs constantly, which is that Christians are the people who don't have a home. They are, to use the technical language in the text, resident aliens, always looking for the home that's across the sea. Um, So that I, I look at how useful it is for us to remember that we shouldn't be too comfortable in our place, in our time. And then finally, on Ascension Sunday, which is the end of Easter, we consider this passage at the end of the book of Revelation, which is the whole climax of the scriptures where God makes a home with all of humanity every tribe every tongue they're all welcome back in in the garden of Eden there was a tree around which the story rotates and in the city of God there's a tree at the gates of the city uh, where as people walk under the tree the leaves of the tree heal them and that's again metaphorical language to describe how this sense of abandonment is going to be redeemed And we will ultimately all find our sense of home, but only when we are at home with God. It's an entire biblical theology of homelessness. How would you like people to pray this retreat? And is it for individuals or for groups or for both? It could be for both. Uh, When I was writing it, I was was imagining someone at home doing kind of ad hoc Lectio Divina. So uh, the reflection uh, is provided with the biblical text. And what we've imagined is that people would carefully read through that text verse by verse reflecting on what it meant in to its original context and then what it means for us today living in a society where housing is in crisis Uh, but it could definitely be taken up by a parish group or by a group of friends because of course the, the biblical text is meant to be read in community and is best interpreted when we've got lots of different voices in dialogue together our prayers should come out of our reflections on the scriptures that's the, the kind of vision that, that I uh, have tried to put into practice. So you have a week, like, so you could take the, the first reading that you've chosen, say, from Genesis, and you would maybe pray that, take a look at the reflection, but then really just keep praying over the week and let that mull over in your mind as you go along and see what comes out for you as the person praying or indeed if you're part of a group. Exactly, because when we go back to the text day after day after day, new layers of interpretation will come to us, uh, either through our own creativity or through the wisdom of a friend or through the Holy Spirit's inspiration. And what will happen is that uh, the text then enters into dialogue with your life. It might not simply be insights that you gain for how to live in a society where housing is in crisis. Perhaps the text will speak to you in a radically different and fresh way. But uh, by going back to that material over and over again, what you do is you orientate your life towards the text. And the whole Lenten experience then is properly what it's meant to be, a preparation for Easter. Uh, and through the six weeks, you, you do kind of traverse the whole of the scriptures so that by the time Good Friday comes upon us, you're immersed in it and it's the air that you breathe. At least that's the intention, the goal. Well, it sounds like it'd be well worth doing that. What about you writing it? What happened to you? Did did you find yourself changed or new insights or in any way? I'm I'm slow to even talk about this, but I, the insight came to me based around the idea of 
the whole story of the Bible taking place between these two trees, the tree in the Garden of Eden and the tree in the city of God. And I actually think that probably it's going to determine my work for the next couple of years. This insight that the scriptures has this very direct relevance to real practical questions in our society. That's what I'm going to be doing Monday to Friday, nine to five in my office now for conceivably the next couple of years, because I've, I've seen in a fresh light how the gospel really ought to be making an impact in how the church, how Christians interact with society. Um, we have salty, juicy things to say that can't be said any other way except in the terms that uh, Jesus has given us. And a society desperately needs uh, the kind of arguments that the Bible gives us. Um, and when it comes to housing and homelessness, uh, the people who are pushed to the margins are utterly powerless. So the church really does have to stand in the gap for them and represent. Um, so I think that this material has given me, uh, has inspired me, I suppose, in my work um, and given me a new zeal for what I'm doing as a theologian. And that's interesting because you're a Christian, but it's not just the New Testament. That what strikes me listening to you is the wisdom of the Old Testament. That you know, and Jesus was a Jew. Yeah. That that they are very much intertwined. Paul was a Jew, and maybe recovering something of that more holistic view of where we have come from. You said Abraham was the father of you know Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. But sometimes we tend to forget that, and maybe that lessens the richness of what we have to offer. Absolutely agree with you. The New Testament is much easier for us to engage with than the Old Testament uh, for a whole bunch of different reasons. But when you look at the law that's given to the Israelites in the books Deuteronomy and Leviticus, what you find is a remarkable manifesto for a society. These are slaves who have been set free and their vocation is to set other people free, to be a light to the nations. So God's law to them, it's very easily kind of caricatured or dismissed, but it is much more radical and much more driven towards concern for the poor than anything that's been presented in the liberal enlightenment for the last couple of centuries even. Uh, there's a commitment to control the power of debt in our lives. There's a commitment to stop slavery, not just in its formal form, but in all of its expressions. And around housing, there's a remarkable openness to the stranger and the alien so that it's not just the people who are members of the tribe who are cared for. Everyone who lives in the land has to be cared for. And there's over 2,000 references in the Old Testament to care for the widow and the orphan and the dispossessed. So that text is absolutely essential for us as we try to figure out what it means to be a just society in 2018. And I suppose what happens is we tend to pick on the more zany parts of the Bible or the more culturally embedded parts, like in Leviticus, talking about the gay laws and regulations that seem utterly weird to us now, or food preparation yes, and things yes. like that. And that people can cite scripture, the devil can yes, cite scripture yes. for his own purpose, so that there is something about that more holistic arching effect of what is the overall message and situated in the ultimate revelation of Christ. The way that I read the Bible is, I'm going to use technical language here, you'll forgive me hopefully, is Christocentrically, which is just a fancy way of saying when I want to understand any given passage, I read it through the practices and the words of Jesus. 
And when you read the Old Testament as a story about Jesus, it reorientates all of those zany passages so that they no longer become caricatures to make fun of, but instead they become like the boundary lines that mark out what it means to be a society that's trying to strive in all of our compromise and all of our fallenness to strive for justice. The fundamental message of grace that we find in the Gospels, of uh, the, the love that God has for us without reference to our merit or our earning, that runs right through the Old Testament. It's not a new message that comes. It is the message of the entire Bible. So I would hope that as we go through those texts, we look at uh, the Eden story in Genesis, we look at Abraham, we look at Exodus, and we go on through the Old Testament, that people will start to see that this text, which is very often fear-inducing for us, intimidating, is in fact our sacred scriptures, and it's a, a message of good news. And it's good news, as Jesus says, it's good news for the poor. That's my hope for the Lenten retreat, that we would be equipped as Christians in Ireland to claim the whole scriptures as our own and to put the whole scriptures in dialogue with our social setting. Because it's not a relevant religious message for a Sunday morning. It's just as relevant for Monday morning when you're working in the office.